These are the daily lectionary comments for December the 8th. We're going to look at Isaiah chapter 24, beginning at verse 14. Uh, we'll con continue the, the, the general um, a discussion of the judgment of God on the earth. Uh, and then 1 John chapter 2, we're going to follow along with John's train of thought again. Okay, yesterday we took up the first part of Isaiah chapter 24, and I, I, I made the point that um, when it talks about the earth, and it's the same word is for land. And so when we're talking about these judgments, although they might sound like they are, they are cosmic or on all the earth, all the earth all at once will be made desolate. Um, but what it's really saying is not so much uh, the desolations will be on all the earth, but over all of the earth, there will be places of desolation, places where the judgment of God will come down on all the nations, on the nation of Israel because of their um, uh, uh, failure to keep God's covenant, on all the nations because of their failure to keep the most basic uh, of, of, um, uh, of God's commands that, that are known and written in the heart and known by the conscience. But what we have here in today's uh, uh, devotion and reading is it continues the theme from yesterday, but the discussion is getting more and more obviously geared toward the, the global or the cosmic. So we are now seeing much more discussion of what appears to be a, a truly worldwide uh, uh, judgment and not just uh, various judgments that happen in various parts of the world. So in other words, God's judgment will continue to pile up and pile up and pile up until finally, at the end of all times, the ultimate judgment will involve the entire world. Verse 21, it says, On that day, the Lord will punish the host of heaven in heaven and the kings of the earth on the earth. They will be gathered together as prisoners in a pit. They will be shut up in prison, and after many days, they will be punished. And then it says here, uh, the moon will be confounded, the sun ashamed, the Lord of hosts on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem, and the glory uh, will be before his elders. So this, this is much more of a global view of God's judgment over all of the nations, uh, finally ending in this, God is going to judge the heavens and the earth, that is the angels and the kings of the earth. Now, of course, when it says the kings of the earth, it doesn't mean only the kings of the earth. It means even the kings of the earth. So in other words, the judgment goes everywhere. So if, if, he, if he does not spare the great and powerful, he will not spare uh, the lowly either. If he does not spare the angels in heaven, he will not spare uh, the people on earth either. And from this, you know, we get this whole notion of the angels being cast into hell and put into prison uh, from, from this passage and others like it. So we have this kind of the ultimate end of all these little judgments in the world, all these little catastrophes in the world that are brought about because of the intransigence of human beings are ultimately going to result in a great and terrible tragedy. But then, then the, the, uh, the character changes. Uh, it's still a global, uh, even a, a universal uh, a, a kind of judgment. And look what it says uh, in verse 6 of chapter 25. These beautiful words on the mountain of the Lord uh, uh, of hosts, uh, see, on this mountain, that is Mount Zion, on this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wine, 
a rich food full of marrow, aged wine, well refined. And he will swallow up on this mountain the covering that is cast over all peoples, the veil that is spread over all the nations. He will swallow up death forever. And the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces. See here, we have earlier talked about the future glory of Israel. Amidst all the discussions of God's chastising of Israel, there is this counterbalancing idea of the future glory of Israel. Well, now we have a similar kind of pair, uh, uh, all the judgments of God and this future glory that God has in store. But now it's not just Israel, but it is the entire world. So that, in other words, God's plan is envisioned as encompassing more than just Israel. It comes from Israel. The, the, the glory of the Lord truly shines out from Mount Zion, but ultimately the blessing of the Lord is upon all of the world. So the whole world looks forward to uh, this, this uh, on the mountain of the, uh, of the Lord, this, this great feast. Think of Jesus talking about the marriage feast of the Lamb and, and his kingdom, or talking about uh, the new heaven and the new earth in terms of a great feast. Well, it comes from this. Or think about how, how uh, Paul says, uh, then death shall be swallowed up in victory. He's referring in part to this passage here. It's a beautiful vision that Isaiah is giving that God's anger and wrath on the world need never, can, cannot be understood alone. It's not just that he has this world and he can't stand this world and he's constantly striking the world with various punishments. But aside from that, he also has a plan for this world and a glorious future for this world. And that too is being worked by his hands. And so the Lord is going to do wonderful things. And, and this vision that finally involves even the swallowing up of death itself and the wiping of the way uh, away of the tears of every eyes is sort of an ultimate glorious fiction. And another pull in how uh, Isaiah presents God's activities in the world. It's not just all anger. It's not just all wrath, but actually it is aiming for a future glorious state that God will bring about. And Israel is at the center of this, and Mount Zion is at the center of this activity. Remember, it's from Israel and Mount Zion that our Lord Jesus is ultimately going to come and begin his universal reign. It's in fulfillment of this passage that the new Jerusalem is coming down out of heaven, as is envisioned in, in Revelation chapter 21. And it's in order to gather all the nations into the kingdom that Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations. It's this kind of universal global reach because God has a plan for all the nations. Israel is the instrument, but not the sole beneficiary of God's blessings. God is going to use Israel as an instrument to be a blessing to all the world, as he promised originally to Abraham, that through you, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Go back and look at uh, Genesis chapter 12. And you'll see the very first, uh, first three verses, how God ultimately promises to bless the world through Abraham. The way that works is through Abraham is raised up Israel. From Israel is raised up the king in the house of David. And that is the Lord Jesus who died and rose and ascended to rule over all things. Okay, enough for this beautiful passage. We now turn to 1 John uh, chapter 2. All right, in 1 John chapter 2, beginning at verse 15, 
we have it's another kind of excursion into the way John thinks. And that is, he says something, and then some word or phrase that he uses triggers a thought for him saying the next thing. And some word or thought in the next thing will trigger a thought to say in the next thing. And so John's approach and his, his rhetorical approach uh, is almost reads like a stream of consciousness. It can be rather confusing. He will oftentimes double back, for example, and sort of loop around and cover the same ground a second and a third and a fourth time, each time from a slightly different angle. But see how we go here uh, in, in, this, uh, in this passage. We, we, he starts by talking about uh, uh, the um, not loving the world. Okay, so that expression, loving the world. And then from that, he starts talking about this world, which is passing away. Uh, the world, uh, we don't want to love it because it's passing away. And then having referenced the passing of the way, look in, in verse uh, 18, then he starts saying, uh, brothers, this is the last hour. And when he starts talking about the last hour, uh, then that brings up the idea of the antichrists. And so when he mentions the Antichrist, then he starts talking about how they went out from us, but they were not from us, but they were not of us. And so then having talked about who is of us, then he starts talking about you, who he, to whom he's writing. You have knowledge. You have knowledge. And then for the discussion of the knowledge, he starts talking about how there's no lie in the truth. So of course, the knowledge that you have, there's no lie in that is absolutely reliable. And then having talked about there's no lie in the truth, he picks up on the idea of lying. And he says, here is a liar. The liar is the one that, who denies that Jesus is the Christ. So in other words, that God has sent his son into the world to be made flesh and to be the Christ uh, who rules over all. Anybody who denies that, that is the ultimate lie. And having talking about uh, the, the, those who are liars, he said he then talks about those who are deceiving you or trying to deceive you. Let's put it that way. He's trying to de deceive you. But then having said that these people are trying to deceive you, these liars who deny that Jesus is the Christ, then he says, but you have an anointing. And this anointing that you have received that is the Holy Spirit that you have received in baptism and through the word, that anointing still abides with you, okay? It stays with you. And then having mentioned this word abide, then he goes on to, to issue the exhortation, abide in him, abide in him so that you will have no shame at his coming. So as you can see, the, the way John works this uh, is, is that... Uh, you know, he says something and, and his, his, it moves his thought along and it moves our thought along too. So this is a very, uh, is very, very uh, um, typical of John and his pattern of writing in his letters and in his gospel also. Um, it is sometimes a little hard to follow for us Western types who, who are usually trained in speech and in writing, not, not, to, not to do this way, but, but it is a perfectly legitimate way to talk. And it, it's sometimes then helpful just to step back and let John's words flow and let his mindset flow from one thing to the next to the next. Uh, and you'll find it to be a very refreshing way of talking about 
um, the, the important things uh, of the kingdom as he does here. Okay, so enough for uh, 1 John chapter 2, and we'll take up a wonderful uh, uh, passage uh, tomorrow in 1 John chapter 3.